0: Pollock trying to steer around, picked off, centered, they score! Feather back over to Manny, splits to the defense, his shot, he scores! In the end there was Shillington, hard collision, BL, center and they score! This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL
1: affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein.
0: Hello and welcome to episode number six of Cuda Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the San Jose Barracuda, joined alongside my marketing manager, Joey Goldstein. Goldie, a two-game road trip to Colorado, maybe not the result everybody hoped for, but you still find a way to get a couple of points. And then the club returns back home. For the early start, Cuda Classroom Day yesterday, and picked up a big 4-2 win, and really a resilient win after the way the game started. As San Jose was outshot 12-6 in the opening period, they trailed 2-0 at one point before scoring four unanswered goals. So certainly good to get back in the win column, and it's good to get back in the win column against your rival in the Stockton Heat.
1: Yeah, it was tough. The Colorado series, obviously, after beating them at home and then heading out there, you had to feel pretty good about that. Uh, the first game on Friday, not the not the greatest. I mean, they showed some fight, came back, and ended up ultimately losing uh, in overtime. And then the next night, they came out and played just a much better game. Never trailed uh, until they ended up losing in the shootout. So things starting to turn a little bit. Uh, I know it can be a, kind of a hostile environment out there in Colorado. They got a pretty pretty loud uh, loud barn. And then yeah, you come into uh, yesterday's game against against Stockton and you know they they score 40 second 46 seconds into the game they kind of jump all over you in the first period I remember talking to John McCarthy after the first period ended and he kind of said you know they were hoping to get a, a good start and obviously that didn't happen uh, so it was really trying to you know be cliche but get pucks in deep get pucks on net and really put some pressure on those guys moving forward and then this team did uh, did what they have done all season long and win the second period um, you know they scored we scored three goals to their uh, to Stockton's one and the rest is history. Four unanswered, and come away with the win.
0: Yeah, San Jose came into yesterday's game as the league's best second period team. They continued that trend, as Joy mentioned, with the three unanswered second period goals out of the empty netter at the end to seal the victory. They were up 3-2 late, and then it was Keaton Middleton who cashed in on the empty netter. So the two Middleton brothers find the back of the net in the win. Joseph Kornosh got the start, his second consecutive start, and I thought that was a big test and a measuring stick for the young net miner. He has not started in back-to-back games this season. He came in as the AHL's second-best rookie in terms of goals against and save percentage, and within the top five in overall goaltending statistics as well among all AHL goaltenders. And he had a little bit of a slow start. I think the entire team, he always questioned an early game like that who is going to kind of get the first jump who's going to be awake and ready to go and certainly right off the bat it was Stockton they scored 46 seconds into the game San Jose was on their heels throughout the period they even went on a couple power plays and didn't did not generate much um, but they settled in and after giving up that second goal is John Martin who scores 22 seconds later and after Martin scored it was almost like they put uh, Stockton a bit on alert and they kind of everybody woke up on the bench as Martin got that goal and then you know, the rest is history. You get a goal from Jake Middleton to tie the game up. Nick Simone with a bomb on the power play. And then, as we mentioned, Keith Middleton sealing the victory in the third period um, with the empty netter. Yeah,
1: they, they, it looked like a comple- completely different team. Uh, you go down 2 nothing, and then just seconds later, it must have been uh, maybe 22 seconds later, John Martin scores. And c- from there on, it was a completely different-looking uh, Barracuda team. They, were, they had more jump. They were more physical. And by the time you got to the third period... They were skating, there were times they were just skating circles around Stockton and controlling the puck, winning all the battles. Stockton just wanted to get off the ice, and they couldn't. They had long shifts, and the Barracuda took advantage of that. So uh, going back to Coronash, arguably the best player yesterday for the Barracuda. Faced 32 shots, kept the guys in it all game long. He made a couple unbelievable saves, one where he came, must have been, three, four feet out of the crease and had to throw the stick out to make a save on what looked like a, was going to be a sure goal for Stockton. Uh, so he's been great. And we talked about it before, how great the goalies have been all year. And it's, it's a luxury to have that, um, you know, unfortunately some teams like Stockton don't have. So
0: Yeah. And Kornasch, as you mentioned, 30 plus saves yet. 38 saves in Colorado in that shootout loss. So he's faced a lot of rubber over the last couple of games, but he's been up to the task. I think the reasoning behind the Bebo um, having him sit out is there's some nagging injuries going on there. I don't think anything major but a situation where you have Bebo play on a Friday night and just to get him through and then give him an entire week off um, I think was kind of the mindset behind that. San Jose's not on the ice again until Saturday night. They'll take on the Stockton Heat. That's a 6 o'clock puck drop at the Stockton Arena while broadcast coverage starting at 5.30 on KDOW. Meanwhile, Stockton, who's starting to play a little bit better hockey, it's the same thing that's been nagging them all season long. They've had Nick Schneider come in and, and play some games and has been better but it's the goaltending situation. Stockton has been their biggest Achilles heel. Last, uh, Yesterday morning, it was John Gillies. He suffers another, another loss. He's a couple games below five hundred. This is the final year in an entry-level deal for a former third-round pick in John Gillies, who they had a lot of hope for in Calgary. Um, it's just not going the way for him. And Calgary has a team going into yesterday. They were 30th in goals against and 31st in save percentage. So as a combination of goaltenders, they've tried different things. It has not worked for them. I thought Gillies was solid in the first period, faced just the six shots. But, you know, once the wheels kind of fell off in the second period, it was all San Jose. And Gillies, that goal against Jake Middleton, I think would certainly be one he wanted back. It was a relatively routine wrist shot from the left point that trickled through the five-hole so San Jose will play Stockton again on Saturday. The Heat will take on Ontario on Friday, so they will have a game in between. And then you look even farther ahead, San is back in action on Monday to take on the San Diego Goals for the first time this season. A Goals team that a lot of people had high hopes for as a competitive team in the AHL Pacific. It's been a slow start for San Diego as well. The Goals have Manitoba in town for two games this weekend before traveling up north to face san jose on monday night
1: yeah and just you know looking through san uh san diego they've the, the talent is there and i don't know maybe it's just them not being able to really put it together like some of these other teams have but they are they have some talented player i mean troy terry obviously he's the, probably the most highly touted prospect in uh in anaheim system uh he's played really well for them Corey Trops very good chase de leo's he's been around for a little bit he's pretty good you know they've there's some some real good names if you look up and down that roster and you would think that that's a team that that's going to compete but san diego has always been a team that has can give you fits um you know with, with the two years ago when we went down there for playoffs there was a a similar kind of a physical team but i don't think it was one of those series where we didn't beat them once in their building the entire year and we go down there and win three straight so it's you, you, that's one of those teams you don't really know what you're going to get out of them when you play them, but it's always a good battle.
0: To be determined, but yeah, San Diego was a building kind of like the way that Tucson has turned out, where San Jose couldn't win in that building for a couple of seasons. You, you mentioned that year that the Barracuda made it all the way to the conference finals. They didn't win a single game In five attempts during the regular season, they swept them in the playoffs three straight in San Diego. And then last year, I felt like they were certainly San Jose was a better team on the road than they had been in the past in that building. So maybe not as daunting as it once was. You look at a Tucson situation where you couldn't lose a game in that building. Now, all of a sudden, San Jose has had some trouble scoring in the couple times this year that they went out to Tucson and even dating back to last year as well. You did mention Troy Terry, a teammate of John McCarthy with Team USA and Pyeongchang in the Winter Olympics. I mean, he, this kid is a stud, a highly touted prospect. He's fifth overall in terms of rookie scoring right now in the American Hockey League. And he's kind of the straw, the straw that stirs the drink right now down in San Diego. And that may be part of their issue. I mean, they've got a couple young pieces, um, Chase DeLeo coming over from the Winnipeg Jets organization and off-season trade. So he'll face his former team in Manitoba this upcoming weekend. But, you know, I think for San Diego, just from my perspective over the last couple years, they've been somewhat of an aging group. There's been some high prospects. But with injuries that the Ducks have had, and they've had a lot over the last couple years, you know They've been forced to call these guys up and maybe accelerate their development a little bit and accelerate uh, you know where they're at in terms of whether they want them to be in the AHL or NHL. They've been forced to put them in the NHL, and I think San Diego, you're seeing it again. Um, it's affecting the, the type of product. They were left out of the playoffs last year. Of course, the Barracuda snuck into that fourth spot. San Diego had a tough end of their season. San Jose went on the tear. San Diego went on a complete uh, spiral out of control and the Barracuda got into the playoffs. I'm excited, though, to see the goals. It'll be the first time um, this season that San Jose takes uh, on San Diego, and it'll kind of spark um, what will turn into a pretty relative meeting, relatively frequent meeting, that is, because uh, the Barracuda will be down in San Diego in a couple weeks after that as well.
1: Yeah, Troy Terry, he's kinda, it's kind of similar to the Gambrell situation that we have here. It's He's definitely an NHL-ready type of player who maybe just can't you know, playing those third, fourth line minutes isn't really going to do that and do anything for his development. So it makes more sense to let them play in the American League, get those first line minutes, get those power play minutes, penalty kill, be on the ice in all situations to really help their development. So that way, once those positions do open up with a big club, it's a seamless transition for them. I think that's what what it seems like we're seeing with Gambrell, and I would assume that's pretty much the same thing they're seeing with Troy Terry. Um, Looking at San Diego and their goaltending situation, that's when I'm interested to see how that plays out on Monday as well. Um, Kevin Boyle, who has been normally pretty good for them. He was great last year, came in a little bit the year before. They also have Jared Coro, who we faced in Grand Rapids a couple years ago, and we just could not solve him. Colors-up champion. Yeah, he's a, and he's a big body, if I'm not mistaken. He can be tough to beat sometimes, but uh, it seems like he's struggled a little bit this year as well. And you
0: look, uh, there was some big news out of Stockton today. I don't know if you saw, but Morgan Klimchuk, a former first-round draft pick of the Calgary Flames, shipped out of town to Toronto in exchange for defenseman Andrew Nielsen. So Stockton's getting maybe a little bit of help on the back end. That's been one of their issues um, is not only are the goaltenders not playing probably the best they could. I mean, they're really thin on the back end. They've got some star forwards. Andrew who has been an absolute terror against the Barracuda over his first three years in the AHL. Of course a couple guys up oliver shillington a defenseman who's up right now with the calgary flames um ryan lomberg who's kind of plays on an edge a tough guy that everybody's familiar with in san jose as well is up right now so you know they get nielsen in klimchuk out you look at shin Carrick who was there um, last year at one point they had Emil poirier hunter shin and morgan klimchuk all his first round draft picks they never really produced they never really um, panned out to be what calgary hoped for there was just three first rounders in the same draft, and they're all out of town now. So yeah,
1: you kind of you start to see that a little bit more. It's organizations their the patience that they they have for these high draft picks to kind of pan out is is getting thinner and thinner by the day. We, Tucson just happened. It just happened in Arizona yeah. a couple yeah. weeks ago where they Fair got point. Dylan Strome just tired of waiting on someone to come through and shift them off for a change of scenery. You know, so that that's gonna you, that starts to happen more and more. I mean, we saw it. Here a couple years ago, Nikolai Goldobin was the same way. Just Miracle Mueller. Miracle Mueller. You, you, at some point, you just you can't keep waiting on these guys, and if they're not going to help you now, go get somebody who will. So I think that's a team that's just looking for a shakeup. Sp- you talk about Stockton, a team like Stockton, who needs some help on the back end. Maybe maybe this is what does it for them.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Klimchuk, who mentioned, was a first-rounder, Tucson. Yet yeah, that trade involved with the Arizona Coyotes and Chicago Blackhawks, that was three first-rounders as well that were was involved in that trade um the big one being dylan Strom having been the fourth overall pick just a couple years ago but teams give up on these guys as you mentioned quickly in part because they're drafted at 18 years old klimchuk's 23 now that's five years in the organization and you know eventually patience just runs dry and you have a you know a calgary organization that uh you know they're somewhat on the fringe maybe making that next step but they need guys you know these top picks to pan out and they've had mm-hmm. success as of late I mean you can look at um, Matthew Kachuk a first rounder that's been really good for him obviously and um, you know there's some skill Johnny Gaudreau there's a lot of good players up top so that also is going to be a reason why a guy like Klimchuk wouldn't get a major look he did get a game last year um, his, his first of his NHL career but it just uh, didn't work out for Klimchuk so he's gone but Nielsen now in and uh, Calgary and Stockton, that is more directly affecting us, just trying to get some sort of stability, I think, on the back end. Um, they brought Terramini in this offseason mm-hmm. as a guy. I mean, he's a little bit long in the tooth, but a guy who's been a, you know, really a kind of a dominant AHL player over his career. So movement going on. It's not its not a time you often quiet think where yeah. there's trades, um, but there is. So that, that Dylan Strom trade doesn't affect San Jose the Barracuda as much uh, because he had been up. With Arizona, but he was the entire year last year. He was down in Tucson. I think they would have liked to call him up last year. I mean, yeah, you
1: know, and they did a couple, they times, did a and couple they, times. They They brought him up a couple times, you know. and he. I think they brought him up twice during the year. The first time they brought him up, he was awful. They sent him back down, and they brought him back up again after he played a couple of AHL games, and he still wasn't very good. So they it, it was almost at that point. It's just go down, really get yourself. I think that was last year. Might have been his first full year in the professional ranks. So yeah. really understanding the game a little bit more. And then yeah, just uh no lack of patience, I guess. And
0: I said fourth overall, he actually went third, third overall in twenty fifteen. So I mean that's that's incredible. Yeah. Right. It's incredible. But the just you know, his, his development curve was just it just wasn't steep enough. To, I mean it it just he wasn't making enough progress and You could see it. I mean, he put up really good numbers last year in the American League. He played uh, for the Roadrunners in 50 games, 22 goals, 53 total points, 31 assists. I mean, he was dominant at that level. But every time we played him, he he didn't necessarily stick out. I didn't feel like he was a guy that you said, this guy is ready to go at the NHL level to be be an impact player. And I mean, I guess that trade only solidifies that.
1: It says a lot about scouting departments, and it really makes you kind of value what we have here in San Jose, because not that we have all these success stories, but it seems like most of the people that we've brought in, most of the players that we've brought in have either, whether it's here or somewhere else, have gone on to be successful. And a lot of that, you know, you got to give credit to Roy and whether it was Mooj the year before, or this year it's Jimmy and, and Michael Chason. These guys and, and the scouts are doing a great job at, at developing these guys and getting them ready for the program so that way they can make that jump. It seems like other teams in our division just struggle with that. Uh, so we're we're pretty lucky to to be that fortunate.
0: So I'm looking at that 2015 draft, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on in just a moment. But Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel went right before Dylan Strom. Strom, a teammate of Connor McDavid, with the Erie Otters. The overall, OX. this so. is a, this is a pretty this special a draft, draft. Overall, Mitch Marner goes number four. I think uh, that certainly has Arizona shaking her head. Marner's turned into a superstar. Noah Hannifin went number five to Carolina. Um, just kind of going down the list. Zach Morensky went eight to Columbus. Timo Meyer went nine to San Jose. Um, Matthew Barzell Branton, Colorado ten, Matthew Barzell. I mean this is a really a loaded, loaded draft. Um, and for whatever reason for Dylan Strom, it's just right now, um, he's not living up to the billing and the placement he was taking in the in the NHL draft in twenty fifteen. So it's the reason why Arizona decided to move on. So Jeremy won that draft went thirty first overall. That was a good, pick. That was a good Hope, pick. As long as he stays yeah.
1: healthy, if he can keep staying healthy, I, I I like the way he looks so far this year. Christian
0: Fisher went 32nd overall to Arizona. That's the better probably pick, and he went, you know, 29 spots later uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. So just some some news and notes from uh, you know that impacts the American Hockey League. Um, that Klimchuk trade probably more so impactful on the Barracuda, especially the fact that San Jose. That was the fifth time they played Stockton this year, so they've got seven more meetings with their Northern California rival. And, uh, you know, it should be a good one this upcoming Saturday, a tough building play in Stockton. And I know for, for the heat, there's still a lot of season to go. And I'm certainly uh, would imagine that they still feel like they're, they're in the mix. They were within the top four going into yesterday's game in the uh, Pacific division. Um, so, you know, it's really a log jam. No team is out. Even San Diego is at the bottom of the Pacific right now. Um, it's still, you know, a chance They're they're just hovering around the 500 mark. So, um, a lot to be determined, but um, well, this last game, the final game of November, so we're into the month of December, starting on Saturday, which That's is crazy—or or not tremendous, but uh, insane. Insanity. Yeah,
1: it goes by so quick. <laughs> I, I was talking about it today, and it's just—it's unbelievable how—I mean, the off season can go by quick too, and you wait for the season to get here, and it finally shows up, and it just—it—it it is like—I I don't know if it's just this year compared to other years, but this one seems like it's going by so much faster.
0: I agree. And I it feels feel like, like we
1: haven't even played many games. No,
0: I feel like I, I couldn't agree more. This feels like the quickest season we've had over my first two in the AHL. Quickest
1: hockey season I've ever been involved in. How about, I'm just looking at the, the Stanley Stockings played 21 games already. We've only played 17. San Diego's only played 15. I mean.
0: Yeah, and we've had a pretty, like for San Jose, I think they've, you know, we really had a, a pretty late home schedule to start. Um, and that's going to get heavy in the month of December. We'll play six games at home, um, which ties for the most out of any of the months that we'll play. So it'll get pretty home heavy. We have uh, our next affiliate night coming up. It's uh, December 9th, uh, mm-hmm. Kansas City Blades night, uh, when the Barracuda take on the Bakersfield Condor. So that should be pretty fun. I know the first one was a, a huge success yeah. with Cleveland Barons night. Um, Kansas City is an interesting one. We'll touch on this next week as well as we're kind of gearing up and going into that week. Um, that's the only one that's an IHL affiliate. So it's the only time San Jose had an affiliate in the old International Hockey League before they joined the AHL. And it's the only one that didn't incorporate the the teal in their color scheme. They were red, gray, and black.
1: So Yeah. I wonder if, let me look back here. Uh, I mean, the Blades might have just existed before the, the Sharks kind of yeah. came in and partnered up, which is, would make a lot of sense. But yeah, we'll, we'll touch on it next week. But we're definitely excited for that one. Um, it'll be... This is the first affiliate that we're doing without a, a giveaway attached to it. So seeing how the, the jersey stands alone. I mean, we, we raised close to $16,000 on the Barons jerseys. So hopefully, that you know, those numbers continue to increase here as we go along. But we're excited for the Blades night. They're going to be just as fun while well, memorabilia and the throwback types of things. And, you know, I think we for the Barons game, we had mu- we didn't play any music that came out after. 2006 i think so everything was pretty aside from our warm-up playlist everything was pre-2006 which i think was pretty cool so i wonder if our game ops crew will do the same kind of thing and play uh, no music that came out after 1996 and do the same kind of thing
0: and that kansas city team's the only sharks affiliate to win a championship and it came in that first year 1991 so that'd be fun to kind of honor the you know the championship history as well and Bring back the old Kansas City Blades. One interesting note: before, when I grew up playing youth hockey in this area, before the Junior Sharks came to be, they were called the San Jose Blades. Now I don't know if that had any sort of connection with the Kansas City Blades. If they were, you know, using that. I know originally there was thoughts when they were trying to come up with a name for the NHL team that Blades was in the mix. As a discussion, certainly we're happy they ended up with sharks. Oh, yeah. I think that's as good of a name as mm-hmm. it comes when it comes to mascots. But I think blades were in the in the discussion. I don't know if that had any sort of connection with the old San Jose Blades as a youth hockey program in this area before they became the San Jose Sharks. So that or San Jose Junior Sharks. So that should be fun. I'm excited for another um, throwback night. And, you know, we'll have another opportunity for fans to bid on these jerseys. Mm -hmm. Um, You touched on the last time we had uh, with the mobile bidding. If you don't mind, just kind of reminding fans, we'll touch on this next week as well when we gear up for this. But, you know, we do have a a different platform, different opportunity for people to to bid, which we think is much easier. And what the, uh, you know, the Sharks Foundation is doing. So if you're familiar with that process, this will be easy for you as well. But you have an opportunity to bid on these team-issued Kansas City Blades jerseys that the Barracuda will be wearing on December night at SAP Center.
1: Yeah, definitely, it's it's a lot easier, I and mean, we've, we've gotten some great feedback so far. It's you're nobody you're not missing any time for the game, and it's you you can bid right from your seats. It'll help us raise some hopefully more money for these beneficiaries, and we will talk about it a little bit more next week. But all you gotta do is text Barracuda to five two one eight two, and I'll have you join uh, the auction. We are probably gonna get the blades auction set up uh early next week so if you send that text message in now it may tell you that you've signed up for the baron's auction that's totally fine you're going to get brought over uh and you'll get notified when the blades auction is open anyways so uh but you know while we're sitting here talking promotions wanna let's recap Cuda classroom day
0: yeah i think we should that was fun
1: it was good it's always a a good time last
0: year we had talked because we had talked about i think my first year so that was the second year for the barracuda i know you were pushing that for uh, pushing that pretty hard Um, Last year was your first full year in the marketing role. So it was the first, I think, full year you could really make, like, you know, put your foot down and push for this. Um, You had that, you know, you were doing community stuff, so that was something I'm sure you wanted to do. But that was a blast last year. So I was excited for it. And it was, you know, a great success. We had tons of schools. um, Faith was talking about um, we had schools from Salinas. Yeah. That's tremendous. We
1: had, so yesterday we had probably 3,000 or so students in the building, which is more than we had the year before. Uh, We had 42 different schools represented from all over the Bay Area. Like you said, not just San Jose. So, uh, and they were at times, uh, I don't know, deafening maybe is the right word. Uh, They were so loud. Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole game, everything ran real smooth. From the handing out the workbooks to just the in-game entertainment, everything just ran without a hitch. And I mean, it's, uh, uh, I got to give you know ninety percent of the credit goes to Faith Christensen, who handled, helps out with marketing, but handles a lot of our community work. She's the one out in the schools, really you know creating these contacts, getting them excited about Barracuda Hockey. So these kids all want to come out to games. But she's also the one who spent months and months of work on the workbook that we handed out. She w- literally draws it from scratch, brings it to our creative team, and they start bringing it to life. But she sat down with her she, with teachers and got all kinds of feedback on different activities, things that were relevant, things that were interactive the kids would have fun with. And I thought the workbook was great last year. This year, she took it to a whole new level and made it even better. So uh, she definitely deserves a... a probably most of the credit behind this game uh obviously our game presentation crew daniel bell and making sure that that all adds up as well did a great job and the ticket sales folks uh did great too i obviously it's it can be tough to fill a building at 11 o'clock 11 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the week but they did a great job reaching out to you know schools all over the bay area to get them excited and it's hopefully it's something that uh we build on and continue to grow year after year. I mean, I'd love to see 7,000 kids in that building and see what that's like.
0: And I think, you know, another year, it's just year number two, and numbers indicate that it's made a huge improvement in terms of numbers. So I think there's a lot more room for growth for this. You know, and we aren't limited. I know there's been some, some, some discussions about maybe because we want everybody to be involved. And there's a lot of schools that have different scheduling. Um, so, you know, we're continuing to look at it, continuing to kind of mold where we can go with it. Um, it was a lot of fun though and it doesn't necessarily mean we're we're strictly stuck to doing this once a year but for now um, we've got on the schedule for once a year and I think it was a lot of fun Um, the kids had a blast and it's all of our responsibilities here in this area because this is an untraditional market to grow the game and get kids um, involved with the game that we all know and we love and um, it starts with this type, of grassroots type of stuff, and as Joey mentioned, faith a huge part of it. Um, it's really her baby, and she did a great job with it. So we're excited about the way everything kind of turned out. We, you know, we hope that if you were able to get out out of work and and enjoy a little bit of hockey, you enjoyed it too, because there was you know a buzz in the building throughout the game that was a lot of fun. Um, I know I had my sound mics on the ice going the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was rowdy, so it makes it fun from a broadcasting standpoint as well to have kids engaged in the game and. You know, it took the guys a bit to get going. Didn't take the kids a bit to get going, but no, it took the, kids the team were, a bit to get yeah. going. But once they scored a couple goals, you know, we were off and running and, you know,
1: get them on their feet, get them excited, and it's hard to slow them down. Someone was telling me at one point, so we, we put that noise meter up on the scoreboard, and this group was pretty – compared to the kids we had at the game last year, this was a much more mellow group. They are kind of a little more laid back. But that noise meter hits that scoreboard, and these kids – it's so, it is so, I mean, our building can get loud when there's 10 people in there, because the way the acoustics are, these kids screaming at the top of their lungs. It was unbelievable. And at one point, I think it was Aaron Fonseca told me he looked over at the Stockton bench and they, a lot of them had their heads in their hands because it was just so loud. And that's great because that, we want it to be a, a, a tough place to play for people. And to Classroom Day can give you quite a headache if you don't prepare yourself for it
0: well it's funny you could go back to last year are they a year older so does that mean maybe their voices are getting a little deeper or uh, are they a year younger so maybe they're getting a l-
1: they're they're you know a little bit a little more yeah like i don't know screechy
0: i, that I don't know It <laughs> it seems it, loud, it doesn't
1: matter how old they are it seems it's it's just as loud year after year
0: it's, yeah it's i looked crazy. at the sound meter too i came out of a break and i and i actually made a note of it i said on the broadcast i said I think the sound meter just hit a new high.
1: Who is it? It's uh, is it Tucson that shows like how loud their building is? Sometimes like they flash like a uh, shows how many decibels Probably. are going in the building. We, I would love to set one of those up next year to see how yeah. loud it gets on Cuda Classroom night yeah. because it, it's, I mean, aside from the our giveaway nights where we have you know full crowds, that's by far the loudest yeah. our building can get. I mean,
0: it's a, I mean it's, it'll rival uh, our uh, Pucks and Paws. Cause that's always fun too. Cause you have a different sound. You got dogs yeah. in the old time, but in terms of just general energy in the building, I mean, it's you just, can't get
1: dogs I mean, to bark. Like you can get the kids to yell though. So <laughs> well, some dogs, some dogs, maybe dog. some dogs, maybe I heard Mike Ricci's dog was pretty loud last year. Yeah. Yeah. it was running around. He couldn't control it, but it was
0: just a pup. So we'll see. We'll see. That was fun though. I'm looking forward to, uh, pucks and pods too, but that's quite a bit down the road. But Yeah. yeah that was a lot of fun. Um, so a lot of stuff coming up on tap. We kind of had a slow start to the season we had our promotions didn't kick off into the Cleveland Barons light back on November 18th.
1: So we didn't December's get a promo bit, schedule. Yeah, December's going. a pretty busy one as far as promos go and, and you know, obviously next week will be pretty blades heavy, but uh, and we can talk more about it at the the following week, but just give everybody a heads up. We've got our Teddy Bear Toss night coming up. We've got our first Bobblehead giveaway coming up. We've got Frenzy's birthday coming up all within this month. Uh, So those are, you know, pretty $2 beers, dollar hot dogs on teddy bear toss night, which will be cool. Uh, I don't know if you happen to see the video. So Bakersfield had their teddy bear toss last week, maybe Mm -hmm. the week before, and they put out a video literally. I mean, they had cameras on the bench, in the net, any camera in the building. And what they basically did was put, it might have been a minute and a half, two minutes, a compilation of every angle the minute the goal was scored. And just seeing the bears come from all different angles, I thought it was so cool the way that they showed that off. Um, and last year, we had a, a record for the amount of bears that we collected. Um, offhand, I don't know that number. It was up in the 4,000 area. I would love to see us blow past that number. So if you're listening out there, you're coming to Teddy Bear Toss Night, bring those bears and let them fly.
0: And I think everybody should be relatively familiar with Teddy Bear Toss Night. But if you are not, you bring a teddy bear to the game, um, and you throw it on the ice when the Barracudas score their first goal, and we'll distribute those bears throughout Santa Clara County to kids, you know, um, who maybe wouldn't get a gift or, or, you know, having some tough times in their life. And it's a great, great initiative that, you know, most hockey teams are doing nowadays. Um, and it's great this time of year as well. And it's a pretty full month, as, as Joey, just, Joey mentioned, in terms of promotions. You can go to sjbarracuda.com slash promotions to find out more information but we've got the kansas city blades night teddy bear toss night kuda christmas night as joey mentioned with the bobblehead giveaway mccarthy and thornton um both of them on the bobblehead is a pretty good one um thornton with the beard of course is santa claus and then frenzy's birthdays at the end of the month as well so there's a lot of stuff on tap um in the month of december and you know i think whether you're celebrating you know Hanukkah or you're celebrating Christmas, you know, Barracuda tickets are a great gift for, you know, mm-hmm. for someone. For we do play on one, the first night of Hanukkah. So yeah, if you it, guys
1: want to come out and celebrate, it's actually Monday. <laughs> so, so there you the go. So, come on and, out.
0: and the kids will be off for, for the break as well. So um, you don't want to miss it. The Barracuda sitting atop the AHL-specific division. They have the best winning percentage in the Western Conference, one of the best young teams in the american hockey League, i just read an article today that joe will forwarded me and it talked about uh, kind of combined all the analytics on, on you know youth and, and you know skill and everything and they threw a million different stats into one you know one pot and, and boiled it all together and san jose was at the top in terms of you know age and, and promise and, and prospects and all that so that's exciting stuff it's getting recognized throughout the hockey world how good this team really is and how good they can be so um, the sky is the limit. A lot of hockey to go, but right now um, the group is on the right track. That is that's for sure.
1: Yeah, no, it's exciting. We're, I mean, it's people start start taking notice now and getting on board. Because once this thing gets full steam ahead, you know, we want all the support we can get. And this, I mean, the way things are going now, this team looks like it's going to be poised for a playoff position. And, and we want all the support we have uh, when we get there. So. Get yourselves familiar now. Come out to the games. Learn the gold dance. Get familiar with who our players are, who you should be cheering for, who to keep an eye on for when they move up to the Sharks. And, uh, yeah, get familiar now, uh, you know, why you still can get those cheap tickets for 10 bucks before they uh, go up to the Sharks and become much more expensive.
0: One quick note for me. Congrats to Lucas Rodil. He made his NHL debut last night in Buffalo, and he got a nice little shiner. I think he took a high stick. Don't know when that happened. but he It actually... might happen.
1: So last night was actually his second game. Second
0: game. Dude, did he play in so, Vegas?
1: Uh, he played... I'm not sure if it was a home game or a road game, but he last night was his second okay. game, I believe. Okay. Um, but he had a yeah, nice I yeah. so he had two black <laughs> so, eyes. Oh he must man. have caught a stick or something yeah. up
0: high. But yeah, so get him in the lineup. Uh, you know, big bodies obviously began the season here at the Barracuda. And you know, there'll be some movement this year. Now that uh, Radil has one up, I think it opens up the pipeline for Gambrell and Shardy. You know, obviously those two have already been up. But to just to go up and down and have those guys impact at both the AHL and the NHL level. Anything else from you, Joe, before we say uh, so long?
1: No, that's about it. Uh, like I said, we'll talk next week for Kansas City Blades tonight. we got some good stuff planned, but we'll, we'll fill you all in next week. But other than that, looking forward to Stockton on Saturday and San Diego on Monday.
0: Absolutely. A little bit light on the content content front because we played just the one game. We had the two uh, two road games, of course, in Colorado as well. But we do want to thank everybody for joining us. One more reminder, the Barracuda play on Saturday night at Stockton, with broadcast coverage picking up at 6.30. Pardon me, at 5.30, because the game starts at 6. You can listen live, AM 1220, KDOW. Whip out the Sharks plus SAP Center app. You can listen in there as well. Go to sjbarracuda.com slash listen or watch at AHL TV is our new streaming platform. So plenty of spots to listen and watch. So we hope you join us, and we will say... So long, and until uh, next Wednesday, we'll talk to you then. See ya. Bye.